in a world gone mad. Only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World. Uh, Episode 19, Andrew and Jerry Tackle Abortion Politics. I'm Andrew Langer. Jerry Rogers. And uh, it's been a, listen, it's been a crazy week. And it hasn't been a crazy week just because of, uh, uh, just because of what's going on with the Supreme Court. And that's really where we're going to squarely focus uh, today. Uh, It's also been a crazy week. And I'm going to take a moment of personal privilege, Jerry. Uh, I am, I am, and I may cough during this episode. Uh, I am getting over COVID. This is the first time I've actually said anything about it publicly uh but i i discovered on sunday morning um i i woke up thinking that i had a really nasty case of strep throat um went in and got uh, what i thought was going to be tested for strep but when i presented with my symptoms they tested me for covid and hey i got covid uh i am feeling um i'm actually feeling jerry now i would say about 95 percent i mean probably maybe even 98%. I'm I'm almost I'm almost there, but it was uh it was touch and go. Not actually, I shouldn't say that. I the first the first couple of days were rough, but it was like rough Jerry in yep. in having a really bad cold, almost like a flu. So, anyway, so so that's so that's that. Jerry Jerry was very concerned. Um uh but yeah, we when we know where it came from, I'm not going to get into those details. Uh, suffice it to say, I was not at the White House correspondence dinner, Jerry. I did not get it there. <laughs> I, I got it at an event at an event that was uh, that was uh, a much better event and uh, with uh, much better uh, performances by the participants. I, I will I will say that much. Um, you you have not you you think you've had COVID? You know, at this point, you know, and a lot of the a lot of the data, a lot of the reporting, the scientific. M- medical reporting on COVID is that, yeah, that most of us have had it. Uh, many of us have had it uh, and didn't realize it. And again, that puts in perspective the government's overreaction, over-governing, over-interfering, over-regulating uh, the economy and people's lives uh, during the COVID crisis. Again, that's not to say that early on when we did not know Again, you know, you take measures and in retrospect, perhaps they were too, uh, uh, too harsh or too deep, uh, but you should learn from that and then quickly adjust. Our public health system never adjusted. In fact, it hasn't adjusted. I mean, again, this is going to be off topic from, yeah. from abortion and these issues we're going to be talking about. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Biden administration is appealing uh, the mask mandate. Yes. and. And because it's appealing the mask mandate, uh, remember, the mask mandate was rejected by a federal court. They're appealing that decision. However, by appealing that decision, it puts the issue of mask mandates, mask wearing uh, squarely in the political camp, takes it out of the medical camp. And what I mean by that is very simple. And that is. If the CDC decided today, tomorrow, that cloth masks are useless, do not wear them. In fact, it causes more harm than good. uh, It doesn't make a difference. It can't make that order because if it does, 
the Biden administration's appeal goes away. Sure, yeah. So, so the mask mandate must stay in place, not for science, but because of politics. And that's been the and that's been the problem all along. I want to turn to speaking about politics because I want to pull this up because this came up yesterday. Um, uh, Somebody uh, tweeted out about this. You know, we talk about picking and choosing in the public discourse, you know, what's fact and what's misinformation. We're probably going to get into this with uh, uh, Carrie Severino, who's going to be our guest today. Uh, about this uh, minister of, of disinformation. I, I pulled up, uh, uh, for those folks who are watching, uh, if you're listening, I pulled up on Twitter uh, this 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 tweet from yesterday. Jerry, take a look at this. So here is a tweet uh, from the AP, yeah. uh, apnews.com headline, FDA restricts J&J's COVID-19 vaccine due to blood clot risk. So that that was up. That's the Associated Press Twitter account. Then somebody else tweets out. Breaking nine one one tweets out the same thing. Uh, FDA restricts J and J's COVID nineteen vaccine due to blood clot risk, um, and they get a misleading label from Twitter on here, um, which is just which is just crazy. Again, same headline. Um, but, but, but one gets a warning label and one does not. And that's uh, clearly political, by the way, uh, Jerry, my, uh, my, my Twitter spigot continues to be left open. Um, I am getting, uh, a, a great, um, uh, great well, reading again. My, I, 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 I'm pushing back on this. Uh, I have experienced no change in Twitter. And frankly, from that, from that tweet, we know that Twitter, the so-called free speech hasn't happened. Well, I mean, I, I, there, there are still, there are still accounts banned and being banned. Uh, and there are still these listen, rules that are, that make no sense. I, I, and I'm not, listen, I'm again, not saying that, that, that Elon Musk was waving his magic wand and things were going to be perfect immediately. Again, talking about my own anecdotal experience, yeah. but you're absolutely correct. Right. Because we now know that there was this, there's this new movie out, um, I want to talk real quick. Want to talk about this? By the way, we're well into our rip from the headline segment. Um, um, this new movie, Two Thousand Mules, Jerry. Are you familiar with this? I heard this about movie? it. Uh, I don't. I don't know what it's about, though. It is no. It, it, this is right in. Well, it's in both of our wheelhouses. It's Dinesh D'Souza's new movie. Oh yes, yes. Right. And it's about. It's about. Oh, it's about the. It's about the uh, ballot harvesting. Yes. yes. So, so let me tell you something. Talking about this. So, so. The tw- so Twitter has apparently b- already shut down the 2000 Mules account, um, and that's crazy. But I'll tell you something else. But again, uh, going go, going back to everyone who was like, "What a great day for democracy!" and all these conservatives praising Elon Musk. What did I say during this period? I you said, know, "No, I absolutely, s- be be cautious." You were you yeah. were, don't. And this is this is my point. But I want to give you another example, right? Because this also gets into. Facebook and and Google and others. So I went, Jerry, because I wasn't aware of what 2000 Mules was. So I went to YouTube to go and find the trailer, did a search for 2000 Mules. Maybe I'll pull this up uh, after we talk to Carrie Severino. Um, You cannot, if you search for a 2000 Mules trailer on YouTube, you will not get the trailer. If you search for it on Google, however, a link to the trailer on YouTube comes up, which is just crazy. Um, I, I want to see this. I'm, I'm, I don't know how, I mean, I'm assuming, right. That if, that, if, that Dinesh D'Souza did his homework on this, everybody seems, uh, everybody seems very happy with Look, this. I, I'm so sick and tired of these conversations. The fact is, is that the social media 
academic, academia, uh, corporate, Democrat uh, uh, communities fortify the 2020 election. The fact that we can't yeah. say that there was uh, mischief, that there was a fortification. Uh, look in their own words from Time magazine. They said, they said, they say now that they did everything uh, to uh, to game the board, so to speak, uh, so Trump would lose. Yeah. yeah. And also, uh, we know now uh, that ballot harvesting, look, Democrats were against ballot harvesting uh, in 2018 yeah. because they know that it is a uh, it is a recipe for disaster and uh, and, and for voter suppression yeah. and for fraud. And again, Twitter, again, all of you praising Twitter, as I said, Crazy Elon Musk, it, it, it makes me angry because I'm so sick of this one guy, some some conservative or celebrity or rich billionaire agrees with agrees with conservatives like for a nanosecond. And then and then everyone just bows down and bends over. The fact is, is that Elon Musk hasn't done anything. Zero. Twitter is not any better. And, I, and okay. again, but Jerry, you, I'm, telling you, anecdotally, right, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that for it doesn't some mean anything. People, it is. It, 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 it is doesn't better. mean it, I'm it, seeing it. For it's myself. anecdotal. You know what? I woke up this morning without any back pain. Oh, uh, that means uh, I must have slept better last. I, I it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's magic thinking. No, 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 no. It is. No, it is. It, it is. is not magical thinking, Jerry. Of course it is. it is. No. Then why? Then why? Then why is 2000 mules banned? Because Jerry, again, he didn't wave a magic wand and fix everything overnight. This is but a yeah, lot more so, complicated. So, than this, so Dennis, right? the the Sousa, uh, the, the, the uh, who is a you know who has a you know who is much bigger in the movement than you or I. Yes. So Andrew Langer, like he's okay, but everyone else is not. I mean, no, come on. Again, Jerry, it's no one. I don't think anybody took a look at my Twitter feed and said. Right. Again, I think I think we're sort of we're, we're we're misdiagnosing the problem here. I think that I think I think you want to see something that's not there. Or, or Jerry, I'm I, <laughs> then how come I, my then how come my Twitter feed is, is exactly the same? Well, Jerry, but you've already said that we talked about this. You don't use Twitter nearly as much as other. People I, I, I have I have tweeted out more in the last three days than I have in the last previous three years. And and no, no change. Well, okay, but the, you're again, you're only doing it over the course of three days. So, I mean, you know, what I'm saying is, and I don't know what the subject matter is that you're tweeting out. So the way the algorithm works is, right, and this is exactly what uh, Ari Melber was so concerned about on MSNBC last week, right, which is this idea that certain, certain topics and certain subjects, they get turned down and other topics and subjects get turned up. A and so... Uh, this know. is this is obfuscating. We need to repeal Section 230. We need to treat Twitter and social media as if they are uh, 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 publishing houses uh, and the same. This you know, uh, well, they're okay. regulating, Again, they're regulating speech anyway. I think I think it's this issue of, of the common carrier issue and, and yes, and how or, they go or that or, so or, or that. So, but so the yeah. bottom line right. is. No one's talking about either one of those issues because everyone is saying "woohoo, Elon well, Musk." Right, but but time out for a second, right? I mean, this is again as as things come up, you know, the the, the shiny object changes, and then the folks who are folks will come back and start talking about these things again if the problem itself is not fixed, right? People are not gonna are not gonna ignore it, right? If 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 it persists that subjects like two thousand mules are are uh, muted. 
right? Then right. they will talk about this. And again, right, what what happens on Twitter is one aspect of it. And again, let me let me pull this up real quick, and then I, we do need to sort of intro our our subject matter. So um, let me share this. So I again, I I went. This is YouTube. I go on YouTube. I do a search for two thousand mules trailer, and this is page one. Um, the first thing that comes up is is Tom Hanks Greyhound movie, which I never watched. Did you ever watch that? No. Uh, nothing. Nothing. No trailer here, um, except there. The first reference to Two Thousand Mules uh, is uh, uh, somebody in Russia talking about it, uh, and then somebody else uh, uh, talking about it down here, and then some trailer for something called Two Thousand Miles. But if you do go to Google and you Google Two Thousand Mules trailer, the YouTube link pops up. And sure enough, it's actually there on YouTube. So again, it, it, it's, it, I don't care about that. Let's pause that. Anyway, so that's, so, so I agree with you. There are still problems that, that need to be dealt with. So Jerry, where I'm were sorry, you? I, 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 I'm just in a, I'm, I'm in such a bad mood because. Are you in an Augustarian kind of mood? Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm sick and tired of, of lies and fraudster, fraudsters and hustlers. Jane Miller from WBAL-TV uh, is an investigative reporter and she has been right. editorializing. Gary, I'm, yes. I'm going to caution you to tread lightly here. I'm your friend. Well, I'm just going to say something. All right. Uh, 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 she's editorializing uh, on the abortion issue. Yeah. What we need is a media, our media, to report on this issue, it's too important. Let's be, hold time out for a second. Let's be really clear about something here, um, um, because I think you know it, it gets to the, the conversations that you and I have had in the past and in the far past, right? There is a real difference, and we have to be really, you know, I don't proclaim myself, and you, I know, when you're on the air, don't proclaim yourself to be a journalist. I'm not a reporter. You know what? I, I've um, decided to change that. I, I've worked in healthcare policy yeah. longer than reporting on healthcare policy, longer than most of these others uh, who are reporting on healthcare policy. Sure, no, no, no. I, I, I get this, Jerry, but my, my point is okay. But my point is when you are in your guise, so when I'm sorry, when Jane Miller is in her guise or, or report. Or again, I, I say Jane Miller because I, because I follow her and I respect her. No, no, no. But, but, me, but the thing, I but the be thing really is, clear, but someone right. who is reporter X right, and is supposed to be reporting, needs to report um, uh, on the facts, the who, what, why, when. Right, and, and, and again, and, 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 and we've seen this. Like, see, and see, you know, point, it words, it, it, words matter on this. And, yes. and so this is like the conversation that I had with, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw this person under the bus, um, but a conversation I had with a reporter in which I took issue with this person's characterization of the Supreme Court leak that happened earlier this week as being unusual. And I said to this person, no, it's not unusual. It is unprecedented. And this person pushed back on that. And they said, well, it was this and that. It's, it's exceedingly rare. I'm like, no, it's not exceedingly it's, rare. It's never, it's never happened. It has before. never happened. Every, right. the, I, and, I, and I sent this person, I, you know, several, several screenshots and, and said, you know, the best minds, the best scholars on the Supreme Court um, are, are saying this has never happened before. Now, there have been leaks about votes and there have been leaks about, about issues surrounding the court. Never has a decision, a draft opinion been leaked beforehand. And, and I felt that, that the choice of unusual as opposed to 
unprecedented was editorializing. Of course, it was. It was. It, it was putting it, your, yeah, words it is. Matter. It is editorializing, just like when you have um, you have the Baltimore Sun uh, and other newspapers in uh, and, and media outlets in in Maryland uh, reporting that Governor Hogan, who again I'm a critic of Governor Hogan, uh, but he is getting pressure political pressure uh, from uh, elected officials in Annapolis who want to score cheap political points. Uh, He's getting political pressure to break the law. Maryland, this last session passed, and I I know we're tight on time. No, no, we're fine. uh, 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 Passed legislation uh, to expand the person type of uh, training, the type of of medical uh, professional who can perform an abortion. Yeah. And then they also released new monies to train such persons. The problem is that the law doesn't take effect in terms of the expansion of the who doesn't take effect until July. Yeah. And the money's not released until 2024. Yeah. And so you have news outlets reporting Hogan won't release the money. Well, Hogan can't release the money. Yes. The law doesn't take effect until 2000. Uh, 24 or the funding for the law doesn't take effect into 2024. So there, so the governor can't do anything. And yet you have the, the news media in Maryland and you have the political establishment in metal, uh, Maryland saying that this, look at this. He, he doesn't care about women. He doesn't care about women's rights. And it's, again, that's editorializing. That's yeah. wrong. It's, and you have a, you have the woman who's running for state controller in the state of Maryland. Again, the elected chief accountant yeah. who is saying, shame on the governor. <laughs> he doesn't support women's rights. Well, she's the accountant. She wants yes. to be the, the state accountant. And she doesn't understand that monies for this training don't come into uh, uh, law, don't come into uh, the budget. They are not, not, not made available for utilization for a year and a half. Yes. Right. This is... But it's Maryland, so it so it doesn't matter. Listen, after we talk to uh, Carrie Severino, um, I, let's circle back to to this issue with Hogan, um, because I wanna I wanna get your thoughts as to exactly what you think Hogan would do. Because I'm not entirely certain. Well, I'm I don't know what Hogan would do in this if he if he had the power to uh, turn on the spigot, as it were. I'm not sure that he would, given. Well, I'll make a prediction. Yeah. Uh, there must be some mechanism, right? Or some let's push it up to the line that allows monies to be released. If that's possible, my prediction is Hogan will release the money and he'll say, Well, my hands are tied. Interesting. Well, we'll talk. That's, we'll talk that's why that's this. what I think. I, I think do. that would be I think that would be the death knell for Hogan in 2024. But all right, let's uh let's let's uh it, you know it's it's time now. Let's uh, shift gears. Uh, we'll bring on our guest, Carrie Campbell Severino from the Judicial Crisis Network. And now it's time for expert advice. Expert advice. Well, welcome to our expert advice segment. We're so honored to be joined today by a true expert uh, in her field. Uh, her name is uh, Carrie Campbell Severino. She is the president of the Ju- Judicial Crisis Network. She's got an amazing uh, uh, pedigree in terms of her professional career. Uh, not only is she a, a Harvard-educated attorney, and no, we don't hold that against you, Carrie, um, <laughs> but she also clerked not just for uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, but also Judge uh, David Sentel. Uh, so just an extraordinary, wonderful career. So let's start here. Jerry and I were just talking about this, Carrie. 
uh, about uh, me uh, tweeting at a reporter that I know um, who called the leak of this draft opinion unusual. Uh, I said it was unprecedented, and I think there's a huge distinction between the two. Where do you come down on this? Yeah, and right after it happened, everyone's going, oh my gosh, it's crazy the Supreme Court would leak. And a bunch of people started replying saying, well, actually, there are some things that have leaked. And that's true. There are some leaks that have happened in the past, you know, right before Roe versus Wade itself was announced, uh, time was leaked, the actual uh, outcome of the case. But we're talking about knowing what which direction the case was going to go, like shortly before it came out. Yeah. This is incredible. I mean, as someone who works there, and in D.C., you kind of get used to, okay, Congress is leaky as a sieve. The White House purposely leaks things half the time. The Supreme Court doesn't work that way. Having an entire draft opinion leaked is literally unprecedented. I don't think it's ever happened before in American history. And it's even more significant because it happened months probably before the decision was scheduled to come out. And I think it's obvious to everyone, this is a, was done with malicious intent. Yeah. It was done specifically to try to, to intimidate, to threaten the justices uh, saying, hey, here's what's gonna happen if, if something doesn't change. And so now you've got people literally posting their private home addresses of the justices who would have yeah. signed this opinion and saying, hey, let's go protest at this house, their houses. This is this is serious threats. The Supreme Court has major walls that are going up around it right now, trying to just defend the building. Because we saw after Kavanaugh's confirmation, people oh, yeah. were literally walking right up to the front door trying to get in. I mean, it is outrageous. Some of these justices have small children at home. You know, yeah. they're, they're going to walk home from school through a gauntlet of protesters, potentially violent. I don't think so. This what, why? Is, this I'm sorry. Why hasn't it again uh, in your thinking, why hasn't the Biden administration, uh, Jen Psaki, the White House spokesperson, had an opportunity uh, this week, yesterday uh, to kind of uh, cooler heads prevail, uh, calm things down? And it seemed to me, but I, but I, I want to know what you think. It seems to me that she, she purposefully uh, missed the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. She she kind of put the, the Biden White House stamp of approval on these protests. Oh, well, you know, these are going to be pri- but private uh, or, or, or peaceful protests. We know what peaceful <laughs> protests look yeah. like, right? I mean, if the building's on fire, they're like, yeah, but it's mostly peaceful. This is out, outrageous that the president wouldn't say, hey, look, I might disagree with this draft to come and protest at the at the Supreme Court. You know, hundreds of thousands of people every year have been protesting yeah. Roe v. Wade right. in D.C. They march. There's you know, there's women, there's children, there's grandparents. They do it peacefully and they don't go to the justices homes. Can you imagine if they went to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's home and were, you know, waving signs and shouting? I don't think so. That's not what's happening. Of course, no surprise, because Jen Psaki herself used to work for one of the most radical left wing dark money groups out there. Demand justice. This is a group who's like board members saying the Constitution's trash and has to be scrapped, whose whose head is saying that there need to be more leaks from the Supreme Court and is holding up this leaker as a hero. I mean, it is they, they will stop at nothing and will stop at no institution. Are, are they unwilling to bulldoze for to achieve their liberal policy goals here? Perry, let's pull it back a little bit because you are a former clerk for Justice Thomas. You've been inside this environment. Um, I, I, you know, we we have Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, saying thankfully. I'm glad he finally showed a little backbone and said this is, you know, this is just terrible. It's earth shaking. What what has happened here? We cannot allow this to stand. 
Talk about why it's, as you said, the other branches can be leaky as sieves in terms of their decision-making process. We want the administrative state to be as transparent as possible. Uh, we want the people to be able to have a say and put political pressure on the legislative process. Talk about why this is so earth-shaking within the court and why the court's deliberations are supposed to be held essentially sub rosa behind closed doors. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the clerks and their justices, and those are pretty much the only people who have access to this opinion. Obviously, you could have someone stealing it from within, you know, some other way, but it's really the clerks and the justices. And the justices need to be able to trust their clerks implicitly. Mm -hmm. To This is just basically an extension of themselves, helping them draft things, helping them research and dig into these opinions. Um, so, and, and that confidence used to be really held incredibly sacred. You know, if you talk to people who clerked the court, they won't even tell you which case they focused on and worked on. You know, if they helped draft something, they're not going to tell you any of these details because it's so, uh, it, it's really a bond that is that is kind of Hold unlike on. any other. Let me interrupt you for a second. Time out, because I, I want to say, I've always wanted to know, for instance, which of Justice Sandra Day O'Connor's clerks wrote the 1992 New York versus United States opinion. And I've been told you're never going to find out who that is. And, and I sort of, I, I recognize that my favorite Supreme Court opinion of all time would love to sit down and talk about that and i know this sorry go ahead <laughs> and, yeah, no, andrew, it's actually i'm a nerd andrew, this way. andrew langer is such a nerd that he has a favorite i do uh he also has trading cards supreme court justice trading cards yes <laughs> <laughs> well you know see, and, and even if i'm talking to other thomas clerks we don't i wouldn't tell them which cases i helped draft or vice versa i mean it, it's it is really close hold and um and that is so the court can trust each other and remember is as as vicious as the politics are in these other branches, these justices have a collegiality that is that is legendary. They know, you know, imagine, you know, you need to work with this person literally for the rest of your life. Do you want to make enemies? No, you want to be able to work together. And the level of professionalism uh, that was evident there, um, unfortunately, maybe it used to exist in other branches. I don't know. It doesn't exist in a lot of other places in this world. And there was, I think there would have been an understanding of, hey, if someone leaked something like this, um, that's going to be the end of their career. It's not just you're going to get fired from the Supreme Court, but who's going to ever want to hire you? And I you, think you, people would have would have policed that on both sides of the aisle of someone. You, you, anymore, you, I think. you put out a series of tweets er, earlier this week, uh, and, and I thought they were very appropriate and also uh, made me think about Justice uh, Ginsburg differently. Uh, talk about that, how the, the kind of Justice Ginsburg's grace, uh, grace with her colleagues uh, and, and her attitude, on, uh, her attitude towards um, her colleagues. Yeah, that was one of the things that had me most frustrated about this campaign to dox the justices. They've already put up this map of all their houses, right? But the group is calling itself Ruth sent us. Yeah. And, and you know, they're invoking Justice Ginsburg. And obviously, Justice Ginsburg was very passionate about um, abortion rights, among other things, right? So she, I, I have no doubt which side of this opinion she would have been on. So to that extent, they're right. But the idea that they are using her legacy as an excuse to harass her colleagues and her colleagues who she held in such high esteem, her husband, who was a, who was a legendary chef, would bake birthday cakes for all of them and they would they would go out to dinner with them. You know, everyone has heard of her, her relationship with Justice Scalia so close, even though they were on the opposite sides of the political spectrum, um, really the best of friends. Um, but it that extended to every member of the court. And I it was it, talking about, you know, Justice Thomas, who gave a beautiful and moving eulogy of her um, after she passed away. And, and again, opposite sides of the spectrum, yep. but he is, and has told me too, like, yeah, you could not, you couldn't ask for a better colleague. So even though we disagreed, we, we loved each other. You could see him in her, in her, um, 
as she got older, he would always offer his arm to help her off the bench. I mean, this there, there was a true uh, love between amongst all of these colleagues. And with Justice Kavanaugh, she watched his crazy confirmations and she yeah. actually stood up and said, hey, this is not how it should be done. Yeah. The, the way things used to be done is, and she went out of her way to welcome him and Justice Gorsuch in, in, in front of hostile audiences to say, hey, I really respect my new colleagues. They're good people. They're good Americans. And so she was trying to bridge that gap. And that civility gap is just a chasm today. And, and I think we should honor her memory by going in the opposite direction and trying to have that collegiality again. And I would be remiss if I didn't point out uh, that Carrie Severino also uh, co-authored a book with Molly Hemingway from The Federalist on the Kavanaugh confirmation. Fantastic. Oh, pull, yes. Pull up a, pull up a picture uh, on this. And because I, you know, before we get to that, I may ask you about uh, uh, Kavanaugh and and, you know, what I knew of his stellar reputation before he was nominated. But let's focus on on Justice Ginsburg for a moment and let's talk about the legacy of Roe. Because, uh, you know, what, what I find very odd about this, uh, this RBG centric protesting of this is Justice Ginsburg was critical of Roe v. Wade. She thought that there were problems in that in that opinion. Talk about that. Yeah. And it's something that actually came up during her confirmation hearing, because a few people on the left are like, wait a minute, can we trust this woman? I, I think at the end of the day, yep, they obviously could. Sure. But she she criticized it because she said she actually thought that decision went too far. It was just one one Texas law that was more um, uh, more protective of fetal life than most places in the country. And so she said they could have just struck down that law and not gone uh, so, so far as to craft a whole new regime for the country. And she pointed out that what this ended up doing was not to put the issue to rest politically, but actually to, to ossify and maybe deepen some of those political divisions. And we have seen now 50 years practically of uh, frustration over this and the, and the way it has distorted the court, the way it's distorted the confirmation process, because that, that decision has been such a focus. And it was such a um, illustration of the courts being, being political in a way that, that judges never should be. They should be, again, it, it, as even Ginsburg acknowledged, deciding the case before them, but not reaching out to just try to personally craft a whole new uh, regime. And I think that's what Alito's draft opinion gets at, because he says, hey, look, this is not, we're, we're not saying now abortion's illegal across the country. Although many people, including the president, have made that misrepresentation. Yes. Mis, uh, right. That's not what the decision does at all. It actually says this is going to be now decided in the political branches. That's how it was decided for the vast majority of American history until Roe wrested it from the people's grasp. And I, I, it drives me crazy, too, because I hear people calling this an anti-democratic decision, which uh, is ludicrous. Yeah. The democratic result would say, OK, everyone go and and get your democratically elected representatives and you tell us what kind of law you want. Not, hey, I'm gonna look at some opinion poll and a bunch of unelected judges are going to then make a one size fits all law for the nation based on that. So this is gonna go absolutely right back to the democratic process. And we're not gonna see probably as extreme a, a, a result as either side would want to see. You're gonna see a lot of states doing a lot of different things here with that, but that, that are all going to much more closely match what the American people want to see and do on this really contentious issue than what Roe does. And now it's the chance, you know, if you feel really strongly about this issue, this is the opportunity now to convince your fellow citizens, your neighbors, your friends to, uh, to decide to change the law in the direction you think is most just.
You know, Joe, uh, Joe Biden, President Biden has said again this week that uh, and again, in a, in, a, in a very incoherent manner, that uh, that this might cause segregation of children based upon their identity. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Jen Psaki was asked uh, about what specific law the president had in mind. She couldn't offer one up. But the question is, everyone I say everyone, I exaggerate to make a point, uh, but those who are who are concerned about this decision, again, not even a decision yet, by the way, right? We don't know yet how the court's going to decide, but if it does strike Roe, what does that mean for gay marriage, for interracial marriage, for contraception, for segregation, and all these other issues that the left is saying it's going to be this um, uh, this uh, you know this trickle down effect of of, of restricting rights? Uh, yeah, we are seeing some of the most outrageous, overblown fear mongering that I have ever heard of, and the president's analogy struck me as particularly bizarre because when was it has anyone ever suggested we need to have separate segregated schools for lgbt kids mean, like what he just he comes up just with some made of the it weirdest up. Oh, yeah. stuff yeah. um but you're hearing people saying for example you know the one that that, that just is so it's stupid to me is the idea of people saying that somehow loving versus virginia the case that that said that anti-miscegenation laws were unconstitutional that that's going to get overturned are you kidding me? Justice Thomas, who himself is a black man married to a white woman, he's going to say, oh, yeah, he's like, you know, uh, Justice <laughs> Barrett, who herself has children who are both black and white. I'm like, you guys have got to be kidding me. On top of which, it it requires the idea that there is a state in the country or a jurisdiction of any sort that's going to actually pass that law. Who have you ever heard anyone advocate for passage of such a law? I mean, that is so ludicrous. Um, they're saying they're, they're saying Brown versus Board of Education is going to be underdone. The, the decision actually talks about Brown favorably and says this is an illustration of the kind of thing that we should be doing, which is taking a bad precedent, which is what happened in Brown. There was the separate but equal Plessy oh, yeah. versus Ferguson, right, Ferguson right. case. And Brown said, you know what? We know that's been decided. It's been decided for that case was on the books for longer than Roe was decided. Right. And the court said, I'm sorry, it's wrong. And we're not going to follow it just because it's old. We're going to have to bring it into, into keeping with the Constitution. So it is so crazy because they're using that saying, oh, it's going to overturn Brown. No, they said they're doing exactly what Brown did in this case, which is bring American law into keeping with the Constitution. Harry, let me ask you about that issue of stare decisis, the reliance on precedent. Because I know, for instance, like I, I talk quite a bit about the Kelo case and how the Kelo case relied on, on 120 years of precedent and came to a fundamentally wrong decision. I've, I've said that justices had an opportunity in that case. This was the, for those of you who don't know, this was the eminent domain case in which a woman's uh, a home was taken for a Pfizer uh, parking lot. The court had an opportunity to to make a, a real stand on the law. Um, got into it with somebody the other day about this issue. What's what is the line? Do you have a line that you use or you think about or did, did when you were clerking? Was there a line that you had in mind when some when a case when you should rely on precedent uh, and when precedent ought to be broken and 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 uh, and uh, something ought to be overturned? Yeah. So, you know, caveat is I clerk for Justice Thomas, who probably has the lowest standard for going back to what the Constitution actually says of anyone. I mean, some justices have have will, will wait till something is just absolutely egregiously wrong before they would ever turn it. Justice yeah. Thomas, I think if there were a case that were a close call or if there were a case 
Um, you know, in one thing that a lot of justice says, if it's a statutory interpretation case, they're just interpreting a law. Yeah. If they get it wrong, Congress can fix it. And they've done it before. They've done it. And they've said, hey, you know what? We didn't like the way you interpreted that. We're going to go amend that law and make sure it's clear. Very easy to do. It's very hard to amend the Constitution. It's possible. That's a better way to do it than try to get judges to change it. Here, here. So uh, but if, the, if they get the Constitution wrong, I think all of the justices acknowledge that this is something you have to fix. So there's there's a few factors the court looks at. They look at how wrong is it? They look at whether it's it's created reliance interests. Like, have we built up a whole regime based on this law? They look at how hard it is uh, how hard it has been for courts to administer it. Because sometimes you've got laws that are cases that are so bad that it's clear it's in conflict with all these other things. And frankly, Roe on all those areas fails. And it's interesting, even some important cases like Brown versus Board of Education, getting rid of segregation actually did have to change a huge regime of segregated schools in the country. So it's not to say that just because people have relied on it, you leave it in place. Sometimes it's just so wrong that you have to fix it. I love the analogy Justice Thomas used to give. He'd say, People come to this court asking us to follow a case, and it's like adding a car to this train. And you're, you want me to add one more car to the train. And before I'm going to add that caboose on, I want to walk to the front of the train and figure out where is this train going? What's, who's driving it? And he said, sometimes you, you go that. forward. So he kind of traces these cases. Well, I'm following this case, which was following that case, which is following that case. And yeah. he goes, get to the front. And sometimes you find in the engine compartment, it's like a chimpanzee running this thing. You're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we don't add another train on the car car into this train if this is a train that's out of control i love that going, you know being run by a lunatic so we have to go back and see what are we actually following and and there's a lot of cases where you do then say okay great this is good i love there was a recent case where the justice said hey when we took this case i my instinct is this is going to be this has got to be wrong right but then you do the historical research and you go hey you know what this is actually well-founded after all. That is an honest judicial position where you go and you really do the work and you say, what is the foundation of this law? And not do I like the results, do I like the policy, but is this legally justified? And if it is, you follow it. And if it's not, you don't. But on that note, um, you have many members of Congress, the Senate and the House, uh, Democrats saying that uh, Justices Gorsuch uh, and Kavanaugh lied and they should be brought back oh, and they should question. be uh, held accountable. And, and again, I, I find this very interesting because I know that uh, Justice Sotomayor talked about Heller precedent and then later in a dissent uh, said Heller should be overturned. Will this be a new precedent that if you know we're going to start bringing Supreme Court justices back to be charged or to be impeached? Uh, you know, first of all, I don't I don't think they can necessarily be impeached based on things they said during the confirmation hearing. Sure, yeah. um, I think that, you know, there could be exceptions to that, but I, I don't I think it won, until they've taken that position, they can't be impeached from that position. Um, the second point is, if you listen to that, and I, I was on CNN the other day and they played all of the quotes from Justice right. Gorsuch, and Justice Kavanaugh, and Justice Barrett. And I was like, you all just listen to it with me. They said things like, you know, one of them was like, Roe versus Wade is an important precedent of the Supreme Court decided in 1973. I think that's what Justice Gorsuch said. What, what part of that is false? What part of that is overturning it inconsistent <laughs> right. with? Uh, one, one of the justices said, it's a, it's a precedent. It's been upheld many times by the Supreme Court repeatedly. Yes, that's true. I mean, all of those are just factual, descriptive statements. And in fact, it's interesting, uh, Susan Collins herself, who, who's now kind of complaining, saying people misled her, um, she said at the time of their confirmations about, about I believe it was Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, none of them made any promises to me about how they would vote on cases and they shouldn't and they couldn't because they can't 
promise how they would vote. That was basically what Justice Barrett said about Roe. She's like, look, I, I can't tell you what I think about various cases because I don't I can't telegraph how I'm going to vote in these cases. And she says that. And now they're like, you lied. I yes, mean, that's yeah. ludicrous. If you look at Justice Sotomayor's statements, I think she was trying to say the th- same thing. But my read is she went a lot closer to saying, I am going to uh, respect the individual rights recognized in Heller or something like that, which she later dissented from. Right. So, right. so you know, none of us thinks that they're going to go in and don't have ideas about cases going in. But if they're going to be honest, they're not going to promise how they're going to vote because they haven't had a chance to look and do that research. And the fact that a justice overturns precedent is not anything surprising. There was a footnote in this draft opinion that was over a page long, just of the footnote, giving a list of all of the cases, the Supreme Court, and it wasn't even all of them, I'm sure, it's just like a, a, a illustrative list of cases where the Supreme Court has overturned precedent. And I'm telling you, every single member of this court has voted to overturn precedent at various times. That includes Justice Sotomayor and Justice Kagan and Justice Breyer, just as much as the rest of them. Uh, so let's not pretend that somehow this is something that, you know, they've taken a vow never to overturn precedent. None of them has, and none of them will. Our guest has been uh, uh, Carrie Severino, the president of the Judicial Crisis Network. Um, we'll, we'll put up a link uh, to, to uh, JCN on our page. She's also the author, along with Molly Hemingway, uh, Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh Confirmation, and the Future of the Supreme Court. Uh, Carrie, thank you so very much for yes, joining us. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And now it's time for The Bottom Line. The bottom line. Well, wow. I mean, that once again, that was exactly the kind of perspective that we needed. I wish, wish we had more time because I could have, I would have asked her questions about uh, getting into the depths of the decision, um, but talking about some of these other issues and what the end result is. We didn't even get into it, Jerry, beforehand um, because one of the other things that the president said, and I, I tweeted it to you, uh, he said the quiet part out loud. Uh, yes. The other day, do you want me to play? Well, I'm not even going to play the clip because it's a he had this whole word salad about about abortion and about life and about choice. And he and he literally used the phrase. And I'm I, I think that this is the case, right? I don't think any president has ever used the phrase abort a child. Every president has been careful and and talked about the fetus, um, you know, unless it's or a, or, a, or just or just terms, these euphemisms reproductive health yes uh women's rights women's health abortion rights and 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 you're right what i've been asking people and again i've been very active on twitter uh, this week uh unusual for me uh yes. but i i feel compelled to respond to all of the misinformation all the purposeful lies uh, about about abortion, the science of abortion. Uh, and the president said the truth out loud yes. by mistake. He said, essentially, right? He said, abort a child. Abortion destroys a human life, period. At fertilization, at fertilization, there is a distinct genetic code different from any other human being on the planet. And to, to suggest this isn't human life uh, is is absolutely beyond science. It's faith. It's religion. And here's the thing, Andrew. Just to make this yeah. uh, the uncomfortable part, put it up Uh-oh. front. I am pro life. Uh, an, an hour into the show, <laughs> I am pro life with yeah. no exceptions. Yeah, I think it's a life. I think it's destroying a life. It's 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 killing a a, a human life. Yeah. That said, 
I am happy, eager to, uh, to create policy uh, that will do exactly what Bill Clinton and Democrats believed that Joe Biden believed up until yesterday. Yeah. And that is if we're going to have this procedure, if it's going to be uh, if it's going to be the law and, and most likely it'll still be the law in all 50 states, there'll be restrictions, more restrictions in some states. But every single state will allow for some kind of abortion. Uh, you know, there's but but the bottom line is, is that. Why don't we go to a place where the most Americans agree, and that is where the European Union is sure. after the first trimester, you put restrictions on abortion well, period and, and and here's the thing that it, that it comes down to for me right which is and, and i and i agree with you and it's it's you know i've spent a lot of time a lot of time thinking about my position on life and abortion over the years um but you know it, it it's it, one of the things i've been thinking about is there was a really angry moment um god who was it who was on i i think it was cnn i, I have a clip here i retweeted it out uh, earlier this week where um, there was a pro-life activist on CNN and whoever the host was got very angry with them as yes. this pro-life person was, was, you know, really speaking, you know, deliberately about the issue. Was that CNN or was that one of the networks? No, uh, maybe, you know, so a, maybe it was, maybe it was, it was one of the networks. News. It, was a it, was, it was a, it was a gentleman reporter. Who I think Jonathan Carl, reserved. maybe I got to go look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like, well, how come, how come you're not charging them with murder? How come you, you know, if you think it's, you think it's murder, how come you're not charging them as with accessories or murder? And it's like, okay, you know, something again, this is why this, this issue has to go to the States and has to be democratically decided because different States will view it in different ways, just as different States view other crimes in different ways and have different penalties for different kinds of crimes in different ways. Right. And, and there are different levels and different things that, that trigger it. Right. And again, I, I want to be, I want to be careful uh, to be, to be, to offer clarity here to yeah. our listeners. Uh, I am pro-life without exception. However, if I were a member of Congress or a member of the state legislature, I would work with my colleagues uh, to make abortion uh, uh, rare. Yes. Uh, and 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 I would work to change the culture. That's what I do in my everyday life. I, I my, my, my family, uh, we're engaged with pregnancy crisis centers. My wife was the president of one of the largest state based pro-life groups in the country uh, for years. So the, the Rogers family is engaged to change the culture. Uh, however, in the political process, I would I would work with others to make abortion uh, to uh, to uh, to implement reasonable restrictions to make abortion rare. Uh, the problem is, is that the other side has lost any sense of themselves. Yeah. Uh, Tim Ryan, who was a moderate Republican, I'm sorry, a moderate Democrat, won the uh, uh, won the primary in Ohio. Yeah. You know, everyone for years has said that this guy Ryan uh, would be a good presidential candidate because. He's a moderate Democrat. Sure. He was asked this week, point blank. Oh, yeah. Uh, where would you restrict abortion? And he said, I wouldn't. Yeah. And this is now this is this is where the Republicans or those who are pro-life. This is where we need to bring the conversation. It's not that the left wants abortion rights uh, or, or abortion access to abortion. They want abortion from fertilization until seconds before birth and andrew 
in California and in Maryland, there are proposals to allow for abortion up to 28 days after Which a birth. I find, I find galling, but, but my, and, and this is my point is that this position now is unprecedented. We'll talk about precedent, right? This is an unprecedented position, right? This is a position that is on the extreme and make, would make the United States a true outlier in terms of our approach to abortion. Well, we, we'd, abortion be, we'd be right there with North Korea, yeah. uh, with China, that, that's where we'd be. And, and, and so this idea, you know, it, it is, it is, and sort of, it gets back into what I wanted to talk about earlier. Let's go and revisit this with regards to Larry Hogan, because, you know, Hogan, we all know this is trying to chart out this moderate position to make himself different from okay. the other Republican candidates going into 2024. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it it's, Right. There are two ways to look at this, Jerry. Right. There's the one part of this, which is how does Larry Hogan appeal to any portion of the Republican primary voting base if he were to go and accept any part of the Democratic position? But then it gets into this whole conversation that we've had before, Jerry, which is Larry Hogan is trying to court a certain portion of the Democratic electorate that will not that that does not exist. But here's but here's the irony there. Yeah. And that is and I'm pulling up the abortion map in, in this, terms of Europe. But go ahead. This 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 past week, uh, Larry Hogan gave a speech uh, at the Reagan Library. Yes. Uh, he gave that speech the same day. The leak, the unprecedented leak from the Supreme Court. Do you know that he did a flurry of tweets that day after his speech? Never once mentioned what everyone else was talking about, yeah. uh, the leak, Roe v. Wade. And he just talked about himself and the better way forward. And I thought to myself, and I tweeted this out, how tone deaf. Everyone in America is having conversation A, but because that conversation and that issue doesn't fit in with how Larry Hogan wants to present himself, he just ignores it. Yeah. And but here's the thing: he wants to put himself forward uh, as the, the moderate, non-Trump, reasonable, better way forward candidate. But in Maryland right now, he's being attacked by the Democrats as being an extremist yeah. because he won't release these monies. Uh, to allow for abortion training, uh, something we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, this new law doesn't take effect until later, but they're demanding he enact it now. Yeah, he's he's not doing anything and they're labeling him an extremist. So how how is he going to present himself as the moderate when 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 he's already right being called the extremist? Romney was the person who killed people and put a dog on the roof, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. binders uh, of women. Mac uh, McCain was an angry, unstable person. Yeah. The left only likes you, and Hogan doesn't understand this yet. He's so naive. The left only likes you when you are a tool for them to use on their political opponents. Yeah. And the moment you're no longer useful, you become, you become D Donald Trump. And that's what they're going to do to him. So to answer your question before you get to this map, sure. there is no way forward for Larry Hogan. Yes. 
Yeah. Larry, if Larry, Larry Hogan would not win a Republican primary in the state of Maryland. Yes. Never mind. Never mind in Texas, Florida uh, or other states. So so I want to pull up. The, I pulled up this map. I'd, I'd seen this the other day. Um, and, and I was honestly, Jerry, I'll tell you, I was very surprised by this map. So this is a map uh, for those of you who are, are listening instead of watching. It, it is a map comparing uh, state by state uh, in the United States abortion laws. Um, and when you can, more to the point, when you can get an abortion and the restrictions based upon weeks, uh, and then compares this to uh, nations in Europe, some in the European Union, some uh, out of the European Union. Um, and, and, you know, if you look at this map, uh, there are two nations uh, that have, actually, I can zoom in, can I? Uh, there are two nations that, uh, that have abortion laws that are on par with the most, per, with not the most, but the least permissive abortion laws in the United or some of the, anyway, the, the, the wide majority of the, of the abortion laws in the United States, uh, Iceland. And I think that that would be, that's not Poland. I'm not sure. I, I've got to go back and look at this. Um, oh, that's uh, the Netherlands, of course. So, um, you know, you look at this map and, and by and large, um, most of the European nations, uh, uh, the legal limit for when you can have an abortion is uh, between 11 and 20 weeks. Uh, two nations have uh, the legal limit between one and 10 weeks, and then uh, um, a handful of nations have uh, uh, have it uh, prohibited, including apparently. And, and, and also, just so you know, too, this map is not updated because California and New York both allow for abortion uh, um, uh, up until the moment of birth. Okay. And so they, they, they would be what purple on, on this map. And yeah. so for our listeners, there's a map here that shows the vast majority of states in America allow for abortion uh, well into the uh, second and third trimesters. Yes. Um, and, yeah. And, and, and so Roe v. Wade, by the way, Roe v. Wade won't change any of this. Yeah. Well, striking down Roe v. Wade doesn't change anything. That's and that's an important point. I mean, let's like, because we 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 started to get into this with uh with Carrie Severino uh and then she had to go. Um let's be let's be abundantly clear about this. Cuz this is something that I that I got into again with somebody that I knew having a conversation about this. Um let's assume for a moment that this decision stands as it is. Right. And, and we don't know that it's going to stand that this is this draft was from February. So it is a draft that is uh, more than two months old. Um, it is probably going to be another couple of months before the decision itself comes down. Uh, we don't know about uh, uh, how the concurrences and the dissents are going to shape up. Um, but the bottom line here is that as the decision is written, it strikes down Roe v. Wade it is uh, it is narrowly tailored to that and the Casey decision, uh, right. um, um, and and it, what it does is it doesn't automatically make it doesn't automatically outlaw abortion in all fifty states. It's, no, sorry, go ahead, not Jerry, at all. No, again, uh, California, its very permissive abortion laws stay in place. Maryland's yes. very permissive abortion laws stay in place. New York. Um, most again, most states from California to Maryland allow for abortion well into the third trimester. Yeah, that is grotesque. We are an outlier. The U.S. is an outlier. Our abortion laws are barbaric. I'm, I'm sorry to say this, yeah. but it's the truth. We are we are aborting children in this country uh, 
that are viable outside of the womb. Now, listen, we've been talking about the politics and the uh, and the uh, law. Yeah. We haven't talked about the science or the medicine. And Did here's we, one. And he, but here's on. one thing. We, right. I, I, I make one statement. The science has changed since 1973. And that's important. Right. And that's my only point. Yeah. Why don't why don't don't you think the law should be informed uh, by the most current science? Well, again, right. I mean, this gets into what we've been the, the debate that we've had over the last two years about covid. Right. Science. Right. Is, uh, exactly trust, right. Trust the science. Um, um, we are having greater debates now about the science around covid and what we did right and what we did wrong and the the anger that ensues uh, when people point out what we did wrong, uh, especially when it comes to schools. And we've talked about the mask issue and what we're now learning about Johnson and Johnson and, and their vaccine. Um, but the reality is it changes. I just want to I want to go back to the, this issue and, and I want to. Because I, I think it's important to sort of explain my position in all of this. Uh, I, we've we've touched on this in the past. Um, I was, you know, I was pro-choice um and and especially as i was sort of coming to my small l libertarian views um i i you know considered that pro-choice position to be you know part and parcel of that libertarian position and then and jerry you've heard me tell this story i was reading about a guy named murray sabrin from new jersey Jersey. who was running for governor of new jersey and he was a pro-life libertarian and i didn't know what that was so i contacted david bowes at the cato institute and i said hey david can you explain this to me because david had written a book called libertarianism a primer and he was the the go-to guy and that that book's title has now changed and he said well andrew it's like this you know if you believe that the entity inside of a woman's body is a person and you are an, a, an adherent to the concept of um, uh, the, the non-initiation of force, then you view the abortion as an initiation of force. And then that person inside the woman has rights. And I thought about that. I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And as, as you know, my wife got pregnant, as I started to think about the issue more, and, you know, we had our kids and, and, and I began to, you know, and I began to sort of flesh out my thoughts and this is one of those things when I would have a conversation with our, my former friend, Jenna Ellis, um, I, I, you know, laid this out and she didn't like my sort of interpretation. And I'll be real quick about this, Jerry. All just law is born out of the intersection of rights, right? Rights come into conflict with one another and you, you create, you know, because, because rights uh, uh, translate into action and sometimes the action of one person uh, in the exercise of their rights comes into conflict with the exercise of one person uh, and their rights. And so we create laws to mediate between that in, within that interaction. And whichever party is most aggrieved, the law weighs down in protecting the party that is more aggrieved, right? So your First Amendment right to uh, uh, dance around in a wild interpretive dance uh, does not mean that you can strike me across the bridge of my nose. I am harmed by that. Therefore, the law comes down on my side. Or again, in the exercise of free speech, you can say what you want, but if you lie about me and you damage my reputation, the law comes in and says you can't do that. That is a limit to your free speech rights. Um, and, and and the law then goes and um, uh, is even more protective of those least able to advocate on their own behalf. 
So we have laws to protect the, the, the health and welfare of children that go well beyond laws that protect the health and welfare of adults because children can't make decisions for themselves. And right. so this is, and, and so when I viewed it in that framework, I said, oh, well, this makes perfect sense. So the, 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 the entity inside the woman, the person inside of the woman, that entity has rights. That, that child inside of the woman can't speak for himself or herself. Therefore, the law and society at large must speak for that person in their protection. And this is why we have laws against abortion, why it's not about my body, my choice. That's why when Whoopi Goldberg comes out and says, uh, this decision is between uh, uh, me and my doctor and my child, well, okay, you know, you're the one making the decision for the child. That, 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 that's why the law and, advocates. And, I'm going to say something. I wanted to ask you this off mic, but I'm going to ask it okay. on mic because it, it's very controversial and provocative. And that is, and people get canceled over this. Oh, but time out before you ask me the question. And what I like about, frankly, I'm going to say this, what I did you know, to toot my own horn. What I like about my way of viewing it is that, it, you know, again, sets aside religion, right? It sets a, you know, you know, but I want to, but I want to, but I want to raise that because there are some saying that, Essentially, if you're pro-life, you feel abortion is wrong, and that's part of your religion or your faith, well, then don't have an abortion. Well, there's lots of problems there. Number one, yes. uh, uh, there's Medicaid and public dollars, and and there's, again, uh, uh, Susan Collins, senator uh, from Maine, has uh, not voted to codify Roe into federal law because she believes uh, for a, a conscience, a conscience uh, 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 bailout. If, yes. if, if you feel it's wrong, you shouldn't have to perform one. Sure. And uh, Congress has uh, in its Roe v. Wade um, legislation that is put forward, it would force doctors to perform abortions, yes. which is anyway, my point is, is that the reason that, you know, abortion is complicated because it involves uh, forcing doctors to, to do certain procedures, uh, forcing taxpayers to pay for something uh, that they deem as uh, killing an innocent life. But but let me just take a step back. This yes. is the provocative uh, part of this. And that is, there's nothing provocative in what you just said. Well, <laughs> but the thing is, is that uh, I think it's appropriate. Uh, remember this, the abolitionist movement uh, was started by evangelical Christians, sure. Quakers, Quakers in uh, Great Britain, in the UK. Uh, they, uh, their, their, their belief, their anti-slavery position, uh, the their reason was informed by their faith. The civil rights movement. Uh, remember, Dr. King was Reverend Dr. King. Uh, there's a great religious uh, tradition that propelled the civil rights movement. So for those, the apartheid, anti-apartheid, yeah. uh, Desmond Tutu, Bishop Tutu said, uh, for those who say that politics and religion don't mix, what Bible, whose Bible are they reading? Uh, the point is, is that great social movements, movements that have expanded human rights and equal rights uh, have, have had their start uh, with uh, with with people of faith, the American Revolution, right? You go sure. back, and I, you know, I, I studied this when I when I was in school, and, my, and Erica did a, 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 a her um, her her end paper on this, and that is it was the it was the revival 
uh, the great revivals that were happening in the colonies that helped spur on uh, the revolutionary spirit. So even the American Revolution had its start uh, with people of faith. So this idea that you can just push faith out of the public square, I don't think you're doing that, by the way. Oh, no, because no, I, no. But I do think that when you come to this issue, it has to be science, faith, and reason. Now, I still haven't said the provocative thing. I'll say it now. I'm waiting for this, Jerry. So uh, uh, Dred Scott, the Dred yes. Scott decision. Yes. Denied personhood uh, to the not just the African slave, uh, but the black American uh, justice. Chief Justice Tani, is it Tani or Tanny? Uh, uh, Tanny. Tanny. Chief yes. Justice Tanny said specifically that African people, whether free or enslaved, whether born free, made free or enslaved. They were not a person in the same sense as a white person. Yeah. He said, for the, he, for the most part, the decision said it denied personhood to Africans in America. And he, he viewed uh, the, the majority decision viewed uh, Africans as property to be bought, sold or inherited. And he said specifically in the decision that Africans living in America were not included in we the people. Now, here's my point. My point is, is that we enslaved people in this country because we denied them their personhood. In abortion, the abortion debate, it's not about are the, are, is it human? Of course it's human. Uh, it's not a question of uh, does it feel pain at a certain point? Does it have a heartbeat at a certain point? Does it have a different blood type potentially than the mother at a certain? Yes, 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 yes. The science points to that this is a human life. So what the left says is, ah, it might be a life, but it's not a person. Yes. Right. And again, this is what happens when you objectify and dehumanize uh, whatever it is becomes property. And it's wrong. And the provocative thing is, is that if I there are people who would want to cancel me as racist. Yeah, because I make this analogy between the pro-slavery arguments and the pro-abortion arguments. And the, the, the fact is, is that they mirror each other. Well, sorry, and, and, I, again, I, I took no a long time. There's nothing again. There's nothing. Con I, I don't think there's anything controversial about it. It is the it is the objectification. Right. And it gets down to this discussion that's been had this week. Right. As as um, you know, even. As Joe Biden says, the quiet part out loud about aborting a child. Um, you know, there's this, there's, there's this statement that says, well, this is only should be between a woman and her doctor because it is such a, a, a monumental decision to be made. It's such an, a, a, an important decision to be made. And the, and the counter to that is, well, yes, of course it is. If, you know, then you are, are admitting that there is the recognition that you're ending a life here. Um, you know, we didn't even get into this. Actually, I want to I shift gears real quick, Jerry, because... There was this tweet that came out yesterday. Oh boy, I gotta find this. Um, well, the comedian, the comedian who tweeted out about um, about the issue. I know I should have pulled this up before. Um, well, as you're doing that, please. I, I often, I often think because uh, there are many um, politicians who are tweeting out about Roe v. Wade now. Yeah. And you look at their biographies, or even they say it in their tweets. Mother, I'm a mother of three, and I'm pro choice. I'm a father of four. I'm pro choice. 
I, oh, I, I really want to ask the question, well, when in your pregnancy or when in your, in your partner or your spouse's pregnancy, did you decide that your child was a person and human that should be born? Yeah. Like when, like, like it, it, there's something very unnerving and unseemly about these people who shout out their abortions or their support for abortion. And they have three kids. There was a very strange video. And I still don't know if it was a, uh, if it was a, um, a parody or not, uh, someone at testifying at some city council meeting about abortion rights and sort of talking about essentially it must've been a parody, uh, someone proudly uh, uh, discussing sort of how they use abortion as birth control. And it, it just, it was, it was very unseemly. I want to go here. I don't know who Alex Falcone is or Falcone is, um, but, but he tweeted out, uh, this is a change of tone for me on here, but I don't think anyone actually believes that fetuses are people. I think they're lying. There are almost a million miscarriages each year in America. It happens to almost everybody, but we're not constantly getting invited to the funeral. And as someone who has been invited to a, a funeral for someone, a friend whose wife had a miscarriage, I can, I can tell you that that's not true. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually genuinely shocked that the tweet is still up. And, and, I've given and it also three days before the guy has to take it down. You know, Go ahead. You know, Eric, you know, Eric and I have five children and yeah. we're very blessed. Er, Erica, we never had a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, but I know this, I know that I fell in love with my children. The moment I knew that Erica was pregnant, yeah. literally fell in love with them. And I know that if Erica had miscarried, my mom miscarried twice mm. and she counts those two, uh, as, uh, as, potentially could have, could have been our brother or sister. Sure. And my mom talks about all the time, how someday in heaven, we'll know those, those two children. The fact is, is that uh, miscarriage. Yes. Moms and dads who lose a child through miscarriage uh, believe just that feel just that. And that is they've lost a child. Yeah. And, 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 and you know something, and you know, I don't know this guy, I don't know who Alex Falcone is. Um, but, but, the, but, you know, but it's, it's clearly, it's someone who, listen, we get, I don't want to actually, I don't want to engage. But the, I, again, let me make my point. Let me make yeah. my point. The point is, um, you know, when, when people have the devastating news of a miscarriage and for some people maybe more devastating than others. Yes, of course. But, 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 you know, something, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say it, you know, F you Alex Falcone, <laughs> that people aren't uh, grieving in the public way that you want them to grieve when this happens, it's a very private, like everything else, it's a private thing. Um, and I, Jerry, I want to, at some point, because we're running short, actually. Yeah, but there's one comment on this, and that is he uses the term fetus, right? Yes. Again, fetus, if, right, right. But no, but actually, oh, fetus, if you go back to the original point. language, Greek, it, it means tiny person. Yes. <laughs> it means yeah. it means tiny human. I mean, so the term, like the left uses the term fetus as a way to you, you use a euphemism, yes. uh, but, but, but fetus means tiny, tiny offspring. Yes. But actually it literally means that. Yeah. No, no, so, I, I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So I want to show, let, let's shift gears for a second. Again, not off the topic because the topic is important. Um, this issue. And I, and I, I'm glad we were able to ask Carrie Severino about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Roe. That was a because, great interview, by yeah. the way. And she Thank hit you. on almost, almost everything. Yeah. Uh, that we wanted to to but to ask the expert. Where do you this this this? I mean, actually, this is where I, this is I want to ask this question. Can you imagine? Right, and I and I said this. I am profoundly disappointed, uh, not surprised, but profoundly disappointed in the Democratic leadership and the president for not taking the opportunity to um, 
to to say, uh, you know, don't to go to a justice's to, house. To condemn the leak and to, and to, uh, to knock over the justice's house. Right. Can you imagine, Jerry, if Donald Trump, right, if 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 this had happened, if some opposite happened, and uh, the uh, Republican conservative <laughs> protesters were going to protest at uh, Chief Justice's homes, and the president was silent on this. Um, Andrew, they would be calling. They would be calling for impeachment, and it would be called insurrection. It would a hundred percent. This actually, again, January six was a mob attack on the Capitol. That is bad. Yes. That is evil. I grieved that day. I was embarrassed that day. I called out the president that day on air, saying, "Stop this." It was not an insurrection. However. Right. An insurrection is a conspiracy to uh, to overthrow the government, to um, uh, to uh, to 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 undo the government. Yes. Well, what is this but a conspiracy? Uh, you have a you have a uh, you have a shadow dark money group uh, uh, organizing, paying money. Uh, they have allies in the media uh, and, and they're going forth to do what? Essentially shut down the proceedings of the Supreme Court. Let's be really clear here about this, right? Because, you know, let's let's walk through. You have the leak, right? And we could get into what the motive is. The motive to spur, stir people up for the 2022 midterm elections? I don't think it is because the decision is going to come out anyway. No, the, the motive to, to leak this was to get people riled up to that's put a, pressure on the Supreme Court. That's a very good point. I want to, I, I want to, because that's a point. Yeah, thanks. We don't, we're not hearing uh, much. And that is, this wasn't simply or even at all about the 2022 no. election because the decision was going to come out in June anyway. Yes. Excellent. As an excellent point. Thank this you. really, this really is about undoing, putting pressure. This yes. is a conspiracy. Uh, to uh, essentially uh, to uh, uh, attack the integrity of the Supreme Court and 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 to you know, to to force a change and and you know so when you think about this so you have the one person or group of people but let's just say for a moment that it's one person and, and I want to I want to interrupt myself and say I am it is not helpful for people to I, I think it's fine for people to speculate as to who it is but once you start naming names. Right. If you're out there and you are naming names of suspects, you think who are working at the high court who would have done this. No, that is unacceptable. Right. Because, again, this is a, this is a, this gets down to the same kind of doxing tactics that we've been sure. talking about over the last few weeks. So, I you agree. know, something let let the let the marshal of the Supreme Court do her job and investigate this thing. Yeah. And, and then. But so so you have the leak that happens and then you have these again, these outside organizations the left uses the term dark money. Uh, so I'll use the term here, dark money, uh, to then organize people to go and put pressure on these justices to harass them at their homes. And the goal is right, because you want to water down the opinion. You want to, we know, we know that Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts is particularly susceptible to political pressure. And so, you know, to get him to sort of change or to write a concurrence, to get, you know, to get the, the you know, may, the mask let me ask you a question, Andrew, because you, again, you make another good point here. Thank you. And that is, and here's the question again. This is this is going. This is we're going to speculate. Did Justice Roberts? Did Chief Justice Roberts invite this type of situation, this leak, 
because he has been uh, so public about protecting the reputation, the integrity of the court. He invited this, perhaps. I think I think that's I think that's a fair interpretation. I think that that's that's a real possibility. I mean, right? It gets down to what Justice Ginsburg said, you know, in in the in with regards to Roe. They thought that they were going to be doing this job of sort of settling the issue, and instead, it just ossified and further divided. Right? These are the unintended consequences of it. So, yeah, you know, listen. I'm sorry, you got. It. I'm, oh, I yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, you know, then you have this group out there that is trying to do this, and and so whether or not you call it an insurrection, I mean, I think that there's. Well, I'm be a, I'm only using no, that no, no, term no, no, because, no, because because the left has used that term, no, and because there's and because there's no other good term for this, which is to say, you know, again, we talk about the undermining of our constitutional precepts, and now we do our our job. I, I think Carrie, because we only had her for a short time, didn't really touch on this. You know, there is the there's the trust that these justices have with their clerks and the trust that the justices have with each other. And and, you know, so which 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 tells me, by the way, because another good uh, you know, you're reiterating another good point. I believe that this was a justice. If I had to speculate, I would I'm thinking this is this is this is a justice with with her uh, or his uh, clerks working in, in tandem. Well, now, I mean, maybe a wink and a nod. I think there's a possibility in that. I would be yeah, really right. disappointed yeah, yeah. to now to again. Say that's, that. I'm speculating, right? Yeah, no, no, and that is all. That is all speculation. I, right. I honestly think that it's a clerk who is incredibly woke, who thought that they, who literally thought that they were doing something. Someone who is is young and well, dumb and and doesn't know any better, and, and thought to, you know. And, sorry, and, and 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 here's uh, and here's what's interesting too. Because they probably feel justified that this is the moral thing to do. Yes. Well, you have journalists, both news, straight news journalists, but also uh, opinion journalists uh, who have talked about Donald Trump, uh, January 6th, about the uh, smashing of norms, about the attack on our institutions, uh, who after this leak, I mean, ranging from Bill Crystal yeah. uh, to uh, to Vox, which is a, a very uh, progressive uh, journal, you have journalists and media personalities saying, "Burn it down." Yeah. Again, imagine imagine if Donald Trump on January sixth, with a crowd of tens of thousands, said, "Go burn it down." Yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, so you, 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 you know, you you've got oh, listen, Anna Gasperi, and I'm I I, I hesitate to play. Have you, Anna Gasperi from the Young Turks, who had her rant. You know, Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who had her rant uh, up. Yeah, in can, front can, of can I offer a side note on Ms. Warren because yeah. I saw her, and again, her. I find her to be appalling. Just her very nature, her her presence, um, offends me. Yes. Because this is a woman who, for decades, appropriated uh, the Native American culture. I'm being serious for a second. I know, I know a lot, I know a lot have made jokes about this and the warpath and all the rest. I'm not making a joke about this. She purposefully mis- misidentified herself uh, as a person of, of, of Native American origin in order to advance her own career. Yes. And she took positions uh, and and she took uh, professorships away from other women, other native 
American, potentially uh, women. Uh, she essentially stole and lied and cheated. She's she's a hustler. Why anyone would say would take anything she says seriously? Uh, it's beyond me. She has proven herself uh, to be someone who cannot be trusted. And so this whole rant and you saw her with her. I mean, she she was so shrill. She should be dismissed out of hand as a hustler. Uh, and and again, just as a side note, I I, I do as you I, I noticed uh, for our listeners, Andrew's looking something up. Yeah, I do want to say I do I do want to say something uh, we haven't touched on, and I know we have to end the show soon. But not only are the Supreme Court justices uh, doxed, the six uh, you know, so-called conservative justices, three in Maryland, three in Virginia. You know, interesting. The law in Virginia. Uh, it, uh, forbids protesting at someone's private home. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be interesting if it happens, what law enforcement does. Uh, but however, uh, also these dark money groups uh, are also saying to go and disrupt uh, the Catholic mass on Mother's Day. Yeah, uh, they are they they are they are instructing their followers uh, to go to Catholic churches uh, and to uh, and to uh, disrupt uh, and to protest. Uh, and to invade and trespass. So this reminds me very much so uh, oh. of the of the uh, of 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 a hero of mine, uh, Dagger John Archbishop oh, yeah. Archbishop Hughes. No, agreed wholeheartedly. Anti anti Catholic bigotry runs deep in uh, in our in our in our in our nation. Uh, let me, it, uh, yeah, let me let me let me play this, Jerry. This is this yeah. is Anna Gasparian from the. Um, uh, for the Young Turks, uh, Cenk Uyghur, uh, his his show here. Um, here. Here is Anna Gasparian. We don't even have paid family leave. We don't even have affordable child care in this freaking country. Okay, and the people who fight against those kinds of laws are Republicans. And yet- What do you want them to do with their kids when they have to go to work? What do you want them to do? What do you want them to do? I want them to answer that freaking question. There you go. I, you know what? I I would love ten thousand times over to answer that question, and that yes. is uh, there. Uh, there are there are families who should be taking care yeah. of their sons and daughters, and what happens is the government robs families of their earnings. Hundred uh, percent. Uh, governments shut down businesses. Uh, create. Uh, uh, and Baltimore City has uh, some of the highest tax rates, property tax rates in the entire. Uh, state of Maryland, and you wonder why uh, families can't uh, earn a living, why small businesses uh, can't uh, provide uh, for uh, for themselves. It's because government robs them. And and your answer, your cheap, empty answer, uh, is to be shrill and emotional and non logical and unreasonable, but also uh, to uh, require and demand more wraparound services. And yes. these wraparound services at public schools or wherever they don't work. The best. You want to help poor families, poor children. Uh, you want to help the, uh, those who uh, uh, who need a hand up. Uh, give them their moms and dads yes, back. Absolutely. Give them their moms and dads back. Stop yeah. stealing from them uh, for your social programs uh, and your failed public schools and all the rest of it. I, if you don't mind, though, Andrew, I, I do want to get back to this. Uh, oh, yeah, please. There's been a lot, again, in mainstream media uh, saying these Catholic judges. Oh, these Catholic judges, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, Catholic, Catholic, again, this attack on Catholicism, uh, again, it's, it's a proxy attack on Christianity more broadly. But there is there is a um, an, 
there is a darkness. And, you know, we talk about Jim Crow, we talk about uh, slavery, and we should, uh, but there is a long history of anti-Catholic bigotry in this country. No Irish need apply. I mean, this is, this is true. Uh, This is true. And we're seeing it again. And, and, and in the 1850s, uh, Catholics had their churches burned, uh, their businesses destroyed. uh, And uh, John Bishop Hughes went, John Bishop Hughes went to the This is Dagger John Derry. Jerry's talking about you, here. You know he the story. Do, Tell do, the story. story. He went to the mayor of New York yes. and he said, look, if one Catholic church is touched, I'll unleash. The, the fury of the city on you. Yes. yes. The, the fury of the city's Catholics on you. I and hope. They went, yeah. And then they went and they, and they protected themselves. Yeah. I hope Catholic men defend their churches on Mother's Day. Yeah. I hope Catholic men this Sunday, you surround your church. And you defend it. Yeah, this is what the left wants. And I, 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 good men and good women have to stand up for the tr- I'm sick of this, Andrew. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the left waging war. I'm not trying to end and I'm not trying to end the show here. I want to be really clear about this. This is why Jerry's sign off always is plant your feet, you know, find your truth and stand your ground, stand firm. Um, this, this is this is what Jerry and, and, and it has its roots in. The lessons of of Bishop John Hughes, Dagger John, yeah, um, I, you know, which is why Jerry's dog is named Dagger. Your dog, what you still have, Dagger John or da- Dagger uh, John? Dagger, <laughs> Dagger John passed. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so you're on on. I'm not again. I'm not trying to end the show. You're on. Yeah, on I'm, I'm I'm on on Sunday, and I, and, and and again, um, uh, this is it. Uh, I, I don't understand what else to talk about, but. Uh, standing up for the truth, whether it's in the context of abortion, uh, whether in the context of a family, uh, we have to. I don't. I again, I, I have such a hard time, Andrew, wrapping my head around those who just don't push back. And I don't mean like the left does. You know, I'm a Christian. I have to love my enemies. I have to. I have to uh, do things differently. You know, it's Mother's Day. You know, it's Mother's Day on Sunday. You know, it's very interesting. Um, Oh my God! Uh, Time uh, out for a second, and we haven't even gotten into the whole verbiage over women and mothers and left birth, birthing week. people and, yes, and, and all the rest. Go ahead. Of it. Yeah, Mother's but, um, Day is Sunday. It's Mother's Day, and you know it's interesting. Um, uh, in in the New Testament, uh, Peter talks about uh, how uh, how really how a mother should be, but really how a Christian should be, and that is, yeah, sometimes uh, we have to we have to preach or we have to tell people this or that. But it's really through our behavior. It's really yes. about our our how we uh, how we act. And so I it, it's my hope that that the people of faith in this country. Uh, I know you're busy. I know that you have taxes and tuitions and soccer and baseball and kids and family. I know you're busy. But while while we're we're while we're at the busy the busyness of 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 life, which is a blessing, the left is pushing. Uh, and and stealing uh, and remaking uh, the country that we love. And all you got to do is just simply you hear a lie, replace the lie with the truth. Yeah, no, you have to you have to do that. So there's a lot we didn't get to uh, a lot we didn't get to today. Um, we may need to do a one off, uh, uh, you know, in the next couple of days because, you know, we have we haven't talked to I mean, this. You're right, Jerry. There is no bigger issue than than this one. Um, you know, 
on all levels and all aspects of it from the leak itself to the substance of the leak yeah. and, and, and the reaction from the left to it and what they're going about and doing. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've got this Nina Jankowitz story and the bizarre hearing that uh, the secretary of Homeland security had up on the Hill where yeah. basically essentially he'd never heard of, of essentially he didn't know anything about this woman that he'd hired uh, to run this uh, disinformation <laughs> governance board. Um, I mean, again, say, say that again. The the United States government under the uh, Biden administration has created a uh, disinformation governance board. Yes. Which we how we started, we started frightening to talk is about this? this last week? We started to talk okay. about this last week. We talked a little bit about it. But the, but the point is, is that is that the, the secretary of Homeland Security was brought before the Congress yes. and was asked questions about this. And and basically, he had no idea. No, no, I, he had no idea about her social media background. Right. And, and, and we could talk a little bit about that. No, I'm going to do it now. But also, you know, no idea about the, the very public statement she'd said, repeating, you know, proven disinformation. Right. Um, on the part of on the part of her partisan allies. And, and you know, it's almost like you'd never actually heard of this person. And, and so you have you have that going on. Um, you have what's going on with with Ukraine. And I, I want to you know, we you know, with the New York Times now and others leaking information about U.S. intelligence uh, helping the Ukrainians. And Jerry and I have some really interesting but differing opinions on this. And I, I'm, I'm more inclined to agree with you now than I was earlier. Um, but so there's a lot, there's a lot going on in the world. But we've, we've been going at this for for a bit. Yeah. And and so um, with that in mind, so Jerry's on on Sunday for Mother's Day. I am. Yes. Um, uh, I, I, I wish I could be on the air for, for Mother's Day weekend, uh, but I am feeling better. Glad everybody else that I know of in my. Yeah, I was worried community. about you for a little bit. You were, um, you know, Andrew and I talk all the time because we're brothers. And on Monday, he you sounded sick on Monday. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Sunday, three, three or four Sunday, days Sunday, ago, you sounded Sunday, sick. I called Jerry when I got the uh, when I got the diagnosis. You, uh, sound, you talk- sounded OK on Sunday. Um, yeah, I, I was just I was hurting. But yeah, Monday yeah. and Tuesday. I heard it in your voice. Uh, yeah, Monday I was really, really kind of, kind of loopy. I mean, I was—I that's when the fevers kicked in. Listen for me, and I, again, my experience is not to be construed as the same as it is for anybody else. Um, um, but you know, for me, it was like having a bad cold, like a flu. Um, well, you know, uh, hey, some some science there and some medicine. You and I talked about this a little bit this week, and that is, uh, it does look like that COVID. Uh, is uh, morphing, for lack of a you know a better term, uh, yeah. into more of a flu. Now that being said, the flu is dangerous. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, and, and uh, just listen how quickly things changed. You remember uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, horse medicine for treating for treating COVID, and I don't want you to take horse medicine to treat COVID. Uh, that that's that's bad. Uh, but uh, but uh, uh, advocating that people take horse medicine to induce abortion, that's OK now. And, and, and again, th- yeah. that's a true thing yeah. uh, 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 on Twitter, social media, elsewhere. People saying, well, you can use this horse medicine to induce an abortion. But again, Roe v. Wade, it's overturned. Being overturned yeah. doesn't make abortion illegal. Yeah. These people, they. They know the truth, but but replace it. Uh, for lies and and that, that that tells us where we are without a doubt well listen guys uh, jerry what do you want people to do please find the truth plant your feet and stand firm god bless have a uh, have a great week everybody uh have fun stay safe and happy mother's day <laughs>